Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. So we have a tradition here at Branches, but pretty much at most churches around the world, you'll celebrate uh, Advent by lighting the candles. And um, so we've asked the Johnsons to lead us in um, celebrating for this Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Hi, my name is Juliana, and I'm Lucas. Hi, I'm Esteban. I'm Leah. And I'm Josh Johnson, and my family and I, we've been coming here for about one year, and we're just very blessed to be here. Uh, We were looking for a community, uh, uh, a small community, and this is what we found, and we're very happy. My son Lucas will read a, a passage. 1 John 1 says, from the very first day, we were there, taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in the most sober prose that we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it. We heard it. And now we're telling you so you can experience it along with us. This experience of communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Our, mo- our, motive is r- our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this, too. Your joy will double our joy. This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There is not a trace of darkness in him. Okay, I'm going to say a short prayer. This is the first time I've ever prayed in front of a church, so bear with me. (laughs) Dear Heavenly Father, we're just very blessed to be here tonight. Um, I'm very blessed to be here with my family. Uh, We... We came from a large church and didn't know what to expect when coming here and just felt very embraced by the church and, and very welcome. And I pray that, that we as a family can move outside our comfort zone over the next year and, and welcome others and, and be just as receptive as what we found here at Branches. And we, we hope that this holiday season everyone can be with family friends, um, and loved ones, and we're just very blessed because we have a lot, and we look to, to give to others uh, so that they can, they can feel um, just cherished in their life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
The Christmas story. How would you explain it? How would you picture Christmas if you could frame it? The nativity. Right? Shepherds watching their flocks by night. Wise men trekking whilst tracking a sat-nav starlight with Mary and Joseph, humbled by the sight of little baby Jesus tucked in tight. That's Christmas, right? Propped up with straw and reeds and a tray of animal feed and cushioned in. Hey, I know it sounds quite cosy and nice. Reality was, there was no room for the little guy on that Bethlehem night. He kept in a cradle. Animals as roommates. I'm not trying to pick holes in the state of the place. I'm just saying the way they were staying was just short of space. We talk about entrance. His birth from a dress meant Jesus literally arrived in the mess. Well, less about the birthplace and the state of the floor. I mean, there's more to the Christmas story than the deck of straw. Flip forward eight days. In the temple, this little guy's the reason for praise. From the lips of a guy called Sim who's in his old age. For years, Sim waited in anticipation, but then the old met the new. My eyes have seen your salvation. The newborn Jesus, from messy manger to a passing of the baton just eight days later, seeing the mess of the birth comes a new age. And what's more, the birth was foretold in a mess age. Which brings us back to the cast. At the nativity set, you see, it was a message that guided their stable footsteps. An angel postman popped round, said Mary'd found favor, a save the date declaration, you'll give birth to the savior. He'd be son of the most high, born through the spirit, heir to David's throne, his reign without limit to Joseph. Call him Jesus, he really will bless, cause he came to save people from all their mess. To the shepherds, he's here to rescue. That's why he's come. The reason for good news of joy, he's the one. As for the wise men, they figured the news. They gave gifts and paid homage to little king of the Jews. See, God brought the message, so they entered the mess to see Jesus' arrival at the nativity set. But let's back up a sec. See, this rhetoric rings a bell. Back in the day, Isaiah waxed lyrical about a future, Emmanuel, God, with us, one who'll be central to the story of forgiveness. So zoom out from the Christmas postcard, a message 700 years prior. He'll be a light to the searchers that spread salvation, says Isaiah. See, the angel's news, it wasn't new. In fact, these nativity messages echoed God's promises right through the ages. These messages read Jesus, speaking hope to the earth, predicting his arrival centuries before the birth. Thing is, when Christmas comes round, maybe there's a danger that we go Pinterest with Christmas and just pin up the manger in the nativity scene. It's like rating a whole film by watching one scene or thinking you know a novel because you had a quick look. So you get the whole story by skim reading one page in a book. And what I said before about him born in the mess and the deck out of straw, maybe it could also be a metaphor for all the mistakes, all the messiness in life and what that creates, all the stuff in this world that just doesn't sit right. There was a reason he was born on that first Christmas night. He was born in the mess to make the wrong right. He's the message of hope. Because <laughs> out of the mess, saw God name's birth that will certainly bless. Frame the stable, sure, but don't miss the picture. It was a message declared since the beginning of scripture, a war in the mess, but there's only one victor, a heel bruised, but be good news for sure. The very promise became flesh in that dead goat of straw. See, from the mess comes a message and there's none that is higher. 
because we'll follow the message I-A-H, mess I am. cool or what? As we've been looking at the story of Jesus over these past few weeks, some of you know are just coming in, but we've been looking at at the mess that was surrounding him being born politically, culturally, even him trying to find a place to stay. And yet God took the little bit that people had to offer and he turned it into something beautiful. And when I think about my children, when they were born, I planned every little thing out. If there was a way, and I thought about how I could pull this off, if there was a way I could have pulled a full Lion King and grabbed my son or my daughter and gone, whoa, and held them up and everybody would sing, and I would have done it because you love your children so much, and yet God, who loves his son, Jesus, it's like a mess. Why would he do that? If you were to see a movie and you know nothing about it, you know, it doesn't happen often. Usually we want to do all the trailers, do all the background. If there was a movie that came out and you just happened to somehow just start watching it, didn't know the background, didn't know who was in it, didn't know if it was sci-fi or comedy or rom-com, and all of a sudden, about five minutes in, you see Tom Hanks. You know that guy's staying till the end, right? Like he's not going to get killed off. He's not just coming in. Like he's a big deal. And so when we look at the story of Jesus' birth, it was all planned out. Not the way I would plan it out, but it was all planned out. And everyone in there counts. We know that the the wise men, the scholars, the magi, they came much later. In the beginning, it was Mary, Joseph, of course, Jesus, and then there are these shepherds. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to them. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. If anything is good that comes from tonight, grab your phone, go to the app, type in Holy Bible, and you're going to have your Bible with you wherever you go. Especially if you're a teenager, you'll have it wherever you go, and it'll be in your hands all the time. And so you'll always be to go to it. So um, go to Luke chapter 2, because I want to show you something. If you haven't noticed, we had technical problems all day long. So this has been hilariously fun for us. It only happens on Easter and Christmas. I think it's one of you that's sabotaging it. We're going to find you. But because once I'm in control, then I can take us where we need to go. Can you give me to that first slide, bud? Once I'm there, I think I'm okay. Doesn't work. You don't have any control. I'm the boss of all, and yet I have no control. Okay, let's see. Who's the boss? Who's the boss, bud? So in that vicinity, there were shepherds. These shepherds are the Tom Hanks. They're there for a reason. There's a reason they're there, but it's crazy that they're there because, as the the poet said, they're on the outside. These are the outsiders of outsiders. We all know what that feels like, and I'm going to share a little bit about these shepherds and why they're outsiders, but before we get into that, 
We all know what it is to feel like an outsider. It's not this, whoa, explain this to me. I don't know what you're talking about. What does it mean to be excluded or feel pushed aside? may not always be the actual reality, but we know what that feels like. These shepherds were legally pushed to the outside. But I want us to see how this relates to us. Why would God shape this? Why would he put these characters in here? So when we talk about feeling on the outside, what does that feel like? The opposite of it, it's like when I, we have this sushi place we go into, and we walk into it, a good sushi place, they go, hey, like they know you, right? And so I love that, so I always go, hey, back, like I know them. And then my kids are always like, whoa, whoa, do you know them? Like they want to know, are we on the inside? Do we belong here? That's the opposite of feeling on the outside. Feeling the outside is when you are like me and you're not gluten-free and you go somewhere and everything's gluten-free. Or if you're gluten-free and you go somewhere and they look at you and like, oh, sorry, you don't fit. Like you know what that is. Like, okay, I'm not on the inside. I'm on the outside looking in. Or going a little more real, what we deal with on a daily basis, maybe it's social media. You're like, well, look at that. Ha- why, why didn't I go to that? Well, look, look, look. aren't those my friends? Why am I not there? Or look at all these things happening, and I'm not part of it. And it, it, it stirs up that sense inside of you that you're on the outside. doesn't mean it's the truth, but it doesn't take much to get that feeling to rise up, does it? Maybe it's that you look at your life and you say, you know what, I'm just an introvert, and everybody else seems like they're an extrovert. Or maybe it's that you look at your life and you think of the decisions you've made and you feel like, I should have made that decision or I could have made that decision. And because I have, I feel like I'm different than everybody else. Even in your own family, like, if this is common. When I work with families, kids feel like, oh, I'm not like the other ones. No, you're not. And they're not like you and you're all different. But there's that sense where we want to put ourselves on the outside. I felt this really specifically this last week, um, uh, for those that don't know, I had a double lung transplant, so I always have to go to uh, UCLA, and then this was my first time getting stuck there. I went in for my normal little clinic, and they're like, hmm, it looks like you have some fluid on your lungs, you're staying. So they did all these tests, I came out squeaky clean, and I used my daughter's nutcracker um, performance as an excuse to get out of the hospital early. I'm like, I gotta get there. And they're like, oh, we gotta get him out. All the nurses are crying, doctors are being pushed to get me out of there. So I'm racing down, but I know, I mean, they've done every test imaginable, all my tissue, everything, clean. I'm cleaner than all of you. So, thank you. But I walk into Capo Valley uh, High School for this big theater, and so I have to walk in with this, because I don't know what anyone else is doing, so I'm walking in like this. You can imagine what that looks like, right? Like, I'm Tom Hanks walking through the foyer, except everyone's like, oh, oh, who's this guy? Does, does he have this sickness? Can I catch it? So everyone's kind of giving me some space. <laughs> and they're looking at me weird, not like I'm a celebrity. And I walk in, and so I sit down, and there's three children to my left and grandma. And maybe it was inside of me because everyone was staring at me weird. But I could have sworn she was like, I coughed once during the whole performance. Her head, snap. And then, it wasn't just the eyes and the body language, and then she started pulling the kids closer. And she's like, hey, Evelyn, Evelyn, come over here, come over here. And I'm right there, so I'm fuming inside. I'm so angry. Why? Because deep inside of us, we know that's not right. We know when we are being excluded, or someone's making a judgment on what we talk like, what we look like, where we're from. 
and I'm being pushed aside. But you know what? We do it to others. Because right in our mission, I said, Steph, I got to switch with you. So I switched to her seat. She switches to mine. Probably upper teenagers, lower 20s, coughing like no other, <laughs> blowing her nose, wiping it all over herself. And she's young enough that when she coughs, she doesn't go, <coughs> she's like, <coughs> it's just like this fog. And so sure enough, she's on the outside of my world. I'm like, I can't, I can't look, look, look at this, what she's doing. That's what we do. These shepherds were on the outside of the outside. They were beyond outside. If a shepherd at this time were to fall into a pit, there were these two books. There were these laws that everybody created. Well, not everybody, but the, the Jewish people created these laws. God gave them the law, and then they said, let's add on to it a little bit. Because that's what we do. We put people on the outside. So it had these laws they created that said, if a shepherd fell into the pit, you don't have to help him. Imagine that. Imagine if I were to walk by, fall in a pit, and everyone's like, oh, oh, no, he's a shepherd. Leave him. Why would they do that? Because for some reason, the people of Israel turned into full germaphobes. I'm a germaphobe. They take it to the next level. Washing their hands. They had all these rituals. You could. So these shepherds, they live out in the wilderness. They were esteemed at one time. Moses, shepherd. Abraham, shepherd. King David, shepherd. But we as people have a way of putting people on the outside. That's what we do. And we love to put ourselves on the outside. So there was no one that was more germ-filled than the shepherds. So God puts them in this story. These are the same people that, that you could not call on a shepherd to be a witness in court. I have a witness. He's a shepherd. Ooh, doesn't count. I mean, talk about being on the outside. It was legally on the outside. But Jesus, his whole birth is set up in such a way that they are the key elements of the story. So let's take a closer look at this. Can you go to the next slide for me? I'm going to need your help on this. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. So this angel shows up. The first ones that hear this message are the shepherds. The outsiders are the first one to be told that everybody is invited in. Angel says to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Are you hearing this? For all the people. They're all included. And it's not an accident. It's not like, oh, who's the, who's the nearest by? The shepherds. In fact, the shepherds, as part of the rule of the law, they were supposed to be out in the wilderness. They couldn't even be in the main city. They couldn't go to synagogue, which is church to us. They couldn't come in because they were so dirty. So God goes to them first. Doesn't go into the churches, doesn't go into the kings, into the law places, into the places of importance and hierarchy, goes out and tells the shepherds, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all, all the people. So they hear this news. They hear this, this dramatic news. But come on, really? I'm going to find a baby in a manger in a town? What's the big deal with that? But he says, it's the Lord, the Messiah. Can you go to the next slide? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. They know who the Messiah is, the one that's going to come. They've been waiting. Everybody's been waiting. 
this Savior has been born to you, to these men that have always been on the outside their whole life. And so what do they do? They go into the town. Are they supposed to go into the town? The people say no. They're like, forget that, Jack. And they head in. Why do they head in? Because there's this good news of a great joy. And so they head in. Can you go to the next slide? When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And that, I want you to hear that news again because that's the news for us. All of us, including all of us who feel on the outside, because we all do. I mean, I know it's Christmas Eve. I know there's this sense of, yeah, we're all together, but we all feel a little bit weird, don't we? I remember when I was a kid, didn't grow up in church at all, and I remember going to this person's house, and they were all singing these Christmas hymns. There were no books or papers around. They all knew the songs. Do you guys have that sense earlier? Where are the words? Where are the words? I don't know the words. They were singing, oh, come all ye faithful, all this. And I'm just like, oh, come all ye faithful. I knew that part. Because I felt on the outside because I didn't know the stuff. This room is filled, including the branches people, with a bunch of non-religious people. We don't know all this stuff, and so we all kind of feel on the outside. Even the elders. It's funny talking to the elders. Like, we just feel too old. We don't feel connected. Then you talk to the teenagers. No, I'm just, I'm just, I don't feel connected. That's how they sound. Uh, and then the kids, oh, I'm, just, I'm just a kid. And then you've got the, I've got a family. It's too crazy. I can't really be involved. Nobody feels like they belong. They all feel like they're different, like they're on the outside, just like these shepherds. And yet God comes in with this news and says, come on, this is how I'm going to let you know how my kingdom is. You know that sense that goes on inside of when you say, like, I feel on the outside and that doesn't feel right? Or if I see someone else being pushed on the outside, that doesn't feel right? If someone's excluded, you know why you feel that? God is saying, because that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way my kingdom is. So when my son comes, I'm going to do it so that message is clear. I'm going to tell the shepherds first. And these shepherds, they hear this great news, and then they start spreading the word. When did they become speakers? Nowhere did the angel tell them, go and tell people about this good news of a great joy for all people. He doesn't have to tell them. Because they got an inkling of this. They know what it's like to be invited in, and they want to tell everybody else. Remember when you were a kid, and you would break into the movie theater because you couldn't afford to go? No? You don't know what I'm talking about? Yeah, me neither, really. But when I was a kid, we were excluded because we didn't have money. So we wanted to go see these movies, but they wouldn't let us. So we would find a way to get through the back, then you'd find someone in the bow tie you knew. Then they would open the door for you or put, a, put some tape over the thing so you could break in, so you could get in. But imagine if one time you come around and you're about to break in and there's the manager and the owner. And imagine if they open the door and say, come on in. I was hoping you'd come. To, the side door's open too. What? That's what it's like for these shepherds. That's what it's like for all of us. You're in. He's inviting you in. We're all invited in. I'm warning you. Once you get into the kingdom, he's going to change you because we can't come in as we are. He's going to mold us and change us. All are welcome, but all are going to have to set themselves up before God to be transformed. Isn't that what we want? So what do we do with this? 
these guys, they went and started telling people. They weren't even supposed to be in the town. They're like, we don't care. Something's happened inside of us. We've seen something. Something's going down. We saw these angels, and there's more than just what we saw because it kind of doesn't seem real, but it's going down. Many of you are here today because somebody invited you. And those people who invited you were probably felt a lot like a shepherd. Who am I to invite someone? I don't know. Why are they inviting you? Because of this good news of a great joy. And something stirs within inside of us. And we want to share it. We don't want to keep it to ourselves. And I want to close with this. Where do we go with this? I want us to make sure that we know that since God doesn't put anyone on the outside, including ourselves, that you shouldn't do it to yourself. You know what I'm talking about? You know when you feel on the outside, whether you are or aren't, then you just put yourself farther out, like I did with that lady? Oh, really? Uh-huh. I literally started, I'm, maybe she was talking about something completely different. Because I felt like an outsider walking in with the yellow thing. Maybe, honestly, she wasn't even referring to me. But I saw all this stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Have you done that before? With your friends or strangers or in your work or in your family where you feel a little bit excluded, a little bit on the outside, whether it's true or not, so you put yourself all the way outside. Don't do that. And in the same way with others, be aware of when you do it to others. Because in God's kingdom, that's not how we roll. That's not what we do. In this circle Wherever church you're from, or if you're not part of a church, or you're here from branches, this is how it's supposed to look, where we draw near to him and tell everybody else they're invited. We don't force them to go. We don't push them through the door, but they know they're invited. And this last beautiful thing is that Jesus could have defined himself anyways. It gets older. This is how he defines himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. In that same culture, with the same rules, he said, I am the good shepherd. Can you go to that slide? I have come so that you can have life. Not just life, not just living, but life to its fullest. That's why God came. So we can have that life to the full. And there's nothing more full than knowing that you're in. Not only that you're in, but you're wanted in, that you're included. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, I heard this story a couple months ago, and I shared it on a Sunday. And actually, Melissa shared it at the women's group. And so I'm sitting there this morning, uh, this, this afternoon before you guys came, and as I was wrestling with it, I said, I got to share this again because this fits perfectly. If you want to know what a picture is of what this looks like practically, you ever play the game hide and seek? <laughs> right? And then, you know, at the end, you're, when basically you give up, like everybody hides. And isn't that what we do when we feel like we're on the outside? And if you haven't noticed, other people are hiding. I don't know where that person's been. I haven't seen him in forever. Maybe they feel on the outside, and so they're running farther. Maybe instead of just going, what are you doing? You just disappeared. Or you know when you haven't seen someone for a while? Oh, where have you been? Yeah, everybody loves that. Don't use that statement. Nobody likes that. But it's like hide and seek. That's what you do. You go and you hide. So in the game of hide-and-seek, you know this, Parker, but when you're playing hide-and-seek, eventually people are hiding. You can't find them. So the person looking could just leave them out there forever, and everybody goes home, and they stay out there overnight. Or 
Americans say, ollie, ollie, oxen free. <laughs> That's not the correct phrasing. It's actually German. Um, but what it is so beautiful, imagine all these people hiding. And yet when you walk out and say that, what it really means, everyone, everyone is free. How good does that sound? That's what God is saying when he sends his son and he has this mess of a situation. And he uses these shepherds. He's trying to communicate, you know what? Everyone, all, I'm setting you free. Come on. Come out of your hiding. Come home. That's the message that God is trying to communicate with just these few passages of Jesus being born. So I want to pray for us. I'm going to invite the uh, worship team up. And we have a tradition here at Branches. Um, yes, for you pyros, we're about to get started, so grab your candle. But there's a symbolism to this. Now, if you have your own lighters, don't grab them. I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine these shepherds, and they hear from the angel, hey, there's good news. Some of you are scared of your hair lighting on fire, it's going for the exits. There's this good news of a great joy. And then they go into town and start telling people. That's the symbolism of me lighting one candle. I'm going to light Parker's candle, only hers. And then she's going to spread it and spread it around because that's how this looks. Just that little bit of spark of what God has done for us that he said, you're all free. Come in. You're included. You're all outsiders, and I'm inviting you all inside. There are no insiders. There's just everyone. Come on in. And so if you could stand with me, and then we'll turn the lights off, and uh, Hoku's going to lead us in silent night. This is my wife, Steph, and she's going to close us, because she's going to fix whatever I <laughs> dress it up. Thanks. Oh, it is really pretty. Um, when Bo was sharing um, the message to me earlier this morning, um, I couldn't get out of my head all the people that are part of the story, um, and how each one of them didn't feel like they should be there. And then I started thinking about the Bible and all the people that God has used and done the incredible through them by just who they were made to be. And I thought about how much I love watching people. It's what I do all day. I watch children learn and make sure they're doing what they're supposed to and getting to where they're supposed to go. And I just watch them, make sure they're included, and they do what they need to do. But every single one of them, every person that I watch, there's something so incredibly beautiful about them. And Boog was sharing about how we're all a part of God's story in, in this beginning. Because if we're part of it, included in it, and we get to come to it, then he's going to do something amazing with us. And then I started to think about when we decide to become a part of the party, to allow ourselves to take the invitation and, and be a part of that community, ugh, it's incredible. I mean, I look at, at each of you. So many of you have been able to say, yeah, I get to be a part of this. And God has done 
incredible things with us, all of us. And it feels so good to be a part of it. That's what Christmas is about, that we get to be a part of this life, that this life gets to do something through us when we say, yeah, I'm part of the party. (laughs) It's where I'm supposed to be. doesn't matter where I came from, where I'm going, or what I've done. God has something for me. He wants me to be here. He made me to do something amazing, no matter what. It doesn't matter who I am. I hope today, this Christmas, that you're able to look at each other and see the beauty of God in each of you and the miracle of this life that we get to live because God made such an incredible decision to bless us with his son. Merry Christmas.
Oh my gosh, that was amazing.